brute force. If it doesn't work, you're just not using enough. You're listening to Softweb Radio, special operations military news, and straight talk with the guys in the community. Welcome everyone to Software Radio. I'm Editor-in-Chief Sean Spence, and the gentleman sitting to my right, for most of you will need no introduction whatsoever. Of course, we're talking about Ryan Zicke. Ryan hails from Bozeman, Montana, joined the United States Navy as an officer in 1986, became a Navy SEAL, had a long career in Navy SEALs, uh, early uh, bachelor's degree in uh, geology, as I understand it. I am a geologist and from University of Oregon. Two master's degrees, one in what, global management and the other in business administration. Yep. And from 1986 until, it uh, looks like 2008, retired as commander in the Navy SEALs. You were in a command position at SEAL Team 1. You were also in a command position at SEAL Team 6. You were at sorry, Naval Special Warfare Unit Number 2. I guess that was Brandon Webb was there. Yep, and program. And you, at one point, were the acting command for Special Operations Forces in Iraq as well. Indeed. Put an awful lot on your shoulders. Ryan ran for office. I was a state senator in Montana. Well, you did two terms there, didn't you? Did a, did a term, four-year term. Four years, and then ran for Congress. Won two elections to Congress. It started, what, 2014? Yes. First? And then two years as the Secretary of the Interior. I did a command, too, as Secretary of Interior. You've been all over the place. It takes you five minutes to tell everybody what you've done just in the last 25 years of your life. So now you're running again in Montana's first congressional district. Now Montana's population is big enough to where now they actually have congressional districts as opposed to... Have a second seat. Yeah, congratulations. And uh, that election happens in November. You stand a pretty good chance. You know, in, in the last election, Montana broke for President Trump by like 16 plus points, I think, in 20, 2020. And you swept down the ballot. The Republicans annihilated the Democrat Party in that state. So it looks like you're going to have a pretty pretty clear road to go well, in. Well, in the new districts, Montana was divided east and west. The western district, I would categorize as competitive. Okay. Uh, you know, looking at the numbers, I won that district. President Trump barely won the district. Uh, but Tester, Senator Tester, also won the district. So I would say it's mixed. A good, good candidate, a good message can win. But it is a... A bubble. I mean, I mean, uh, it can go either way. Yeah. In this election, there tends to be, I think, people call it a red wave. I would caution people to say it's in the bag. I think you got to earn every yard in politics, and politics is pretty fickle; it can change uh, really quickly. And you have an unusual electorate in Montana. When I look at the voting rolls, I see. Republicans obviously outnumbering Democrats, and then you have a population of independents, but then you have an almost equally sized number of people that identify as other. So they're not Republicans, they're not Democrats, yeah. they're not independents, they're others. And what's the other? Well, you know, Montana, I would categorize Montana as a little libertarian. Okay. Not liberal, but we just don't like to be told what to do. Right. There's a very patriotic, you know, some of the strongholds of traditional Democrats. Butte, Montana is one of them. Uh, right. Butte is the home of Miners Union Number 1. Right. But also, when the national anthem plays, Butte stands. On their feet. So they are what I would consider a, a Reagan Democrat, very patriotic. Right. They're not a woke Democrat. They don't like the woke movement any, any more than the rest of us. Right. Montana is very patriotic. We have a high number of military. Yeah. We have uh, the, the, the great tribes of the Plains, the warrior tribes in Montana. 
Uh, and a population of just, just over a million. It'd be interesting, I think, to our own readers, since Montana is like sort of the frontier country of the United States still, what are the issues that matter the most to Montana? You're a very big state for agriculture, for forestry and lumber, mining and energy production. So you guys are... Yeah, the resources over the period has taken some strain. Yeah. Uh, we should be logging more than we are, especially with the scale of the fires. Montana tourism has expanded. You know, you can see that the branding of Montana with, with Yellowstone. Sure, yeah. But I think the issues, inflation is a big issue. Uh, the distances between towns are, are long. When gas prices go up, it, it challenges. Montana, as far as the wage, pretty low. So when you have inflation as what it is, when groceries, that takes a lot of disposable income, you know, out, especially for those that, that probably are vulnerable. It seems to be the strain it is more on the population that probably needs help the most. How do Montanans eat their home? Are they, are they gas, electric? Uh... A little mix. Natural gas, electric, a lot choose to heat their home by firewood. Yeah. Yeah, firewood well, you guys pellets. have some of the highest energy bills coming from utility companies just because the winter is so long. You guys have some of the highest Win- energy Winters are elevated, and this winter's going to be a challenge because gas prices are so much higher. Right. And then what happens is sometimes the government will, will step in and it'll subsidize those families that can't afford to heat. Yeah. And what that does is it takes tax dollars rather than going to something else. It subsidizes. And at the core of it, the subsidies wouldn't be required if the policies of the U.S. on energy right. were correct. Right. You can go back during the Trump administration when I was Secretary of Interior. I mean, gas was considerably lower. And that gas was considerably lower. Inflation was, was, no one even talked about inflation. Right. Uh, And then, you know, Montana, like many states, has a challenge with the workforce. Can't find enough people to work. Some of it has been, uh, you can't as a society to reward people not to work. Do you think that pipeline affected you guys there too? Did it run through your state? Well, it's it's certainly affected the country. Montana would have been nice to have an on-ramp. Right. And, and look, moving fuels is so much safer through a pipeline. Oh, yeah. And unfortunately, the Keystone became kind of a flagship for the environmental attacks. Yeah. There are, between Canada and the United States, there are dozens of pipelines, and there's actually a Keystone, what the issue was Keystone Excel, mm-hmm. but became a poster child for attacks. Right. And it, it's too bad because, again, moving fuels through pipelines is far more safe. Right. Much better than trucks. So, and you're an energy independent guy. You'd like to see the United States return to being an energy producing energy surplus country as opposed to one that's in Yeah, and there's three reasons why energy is so important. Number one, environmentally, I can tell you it is better to produce energy in this country under our regulation than watch it get produced overseas. Where there's no regulation. With no regulation. And if you don't believe me, I'll take you on a tour of Saudi Arabia or Africa of how they produce. Oh, no, I believe you. I've seen pictures of the mines in China where they're pulling uh, rare earth minerals to make solar panels with, and it's yep. so vast. But, you know, it looks like a meteor. As long as you ignore it, you know, you don't think about it. But, but you should take it in consideration. And secondly, you know, I spent most of my career fighting overseas, you know, for other people's energy. Right. And I can tell you, I don't want your children my grandchildren ever to see what I've seen. And I don't want to be held hostage by a foreign entity on our energy needs. And lastly, you know, jobs and manufacturing matter. 
Sure. Look what happened in COVID in the supply chain. We found ourselves vulnerable because we weren't producing medical equipment. We weren't producing a lot of the parts and components to make our economy run. And in order to manufacture, you know, the cost of steel is the same in South Korea as it is in Pittsburgh. We can't pay the same wages uh, China or India can. On the advantage side is innovation in the U.S. as long as the regulatory environment allows for innovation. Mm -hmm. And lastly is energy costs. When energy costs are low, we can compete globally by manufacturing, and then we're not held hostage on the supply chain nor energy. So I'm a huge proponent of energy dominance, meaning that we should never be in a position where we're held hostage for energy. And again, we do it cleaner, better, and we will continue to advance technology, invest in cleaner fuels, and invest in technology. It's a very interesting connection you make between low energy prices affecting positively U.S. exports that the cost of our goods are less of energy prices from production and transportation are low. Absolutely. It's, it's well, and the big push for renewables, but all energy has a cost in terms of, of impact. You look at wind, it chops up a lot of birds. Yeah. And also, you know, wind itself, when you replace the blades, it, it, there's a lot of components, mining. Uh, yeah. Solar is interesting. I've always thought the best place for solar cells on the roof of the house because it's already foul ground. Sure. But the Biden administration is talking, you know, these huge solar farms of 500 plus square miles on public land. And when you do that, what happens is that land then becomes single use. You're not going to have it for recreation. There's not going to be any habitat. So both wildlife, habitat, recreation, access all come to a screeching halt when it becomes a solar field. And is that really the best use for that? Is that really the best use when there's other alternatives for clean fuel? Again, you know, you, you look at when you fly over Las Vegas, you went to Shot Show. The expanse of the homes. Now, someday, someone's going to figure out that the square footage availability on the rooftops sure. is significant. Sure. And if you can combine it and collect it and put it in a system, right. then I think that's a much better path than chewing up public land where it no longer is accessible or, or you can use it. Well, when you build these gigantic solar panel farms, so to speak, you have any loss in hysteresis getting that energy to the end user, whereas if, if you've got, I mean, maybe 75% of it gets from the solar panel to the end user in, a, in an industrial or residential location, but if it's right on top of your house, you get virtually all of it. Yeah. yeah. None of it's wasted. It all comes right down from your roof and goes into your own batteries. Right. And that ground is, is, again, fouled. And, you know, we're looking at solar cells that match tiles for, you know, the, the visual appeal. Don't you have a tipping point, though, with solar panels? I mean, they, they use rare earth metals. Which means they're rare, and, and if you make and, and more and more from China, China, and from China, so you're really handing them kind of a strategic commodity, almost like right. oil with the Saudis to to put around our neck well, and hang us. And it goes back to every energy source has a component of impact. Right. Nuclear tends to be the cleanest. Absolutely, zero emissions. But, you know, the last administration, we spent billions of dollars putting a national repository for nuclear fuel. And then at the last minute when it's built and all the construction costs are gone, the government turns to say no. Well, I think we do think, I understand the French, for example, operate nuclear reactors all over their countries. They handle their nuclear waste field differently than we do. We take the uranium, the plutonium, and all that, treat it as one mass. They just separate out the plutonium and the higher isotope yeah. stuff. And apparently all the waste from the nuclear program 
could fit in about a 10,000 square foot building. They could put it all in one place, but we're we're putting the uranium in there too, which to me seems like that's crazy because it's in everything. Well, I think it's worse. Yeah, I think we can learn. Yeah, obviously, but technology is advancing in the nuclear field too. Yeah, Uh, nuclear reactors are much smaller. But with the right regulatory environment, right safety, you know, the large, you know, huge component of, of nuclear. And the right as kind well of as natural gas, clean burning. Yes. Um, we also got to talk about our grid and vulnerability. When you move to a system of solar cells, you know, your base load goes up and down. So the energy component, I think that the Trump administration, the American first policy on energy, yep. was the correct policy for this country. Now you, and we're suffering from a deviation of that today. I think you're right, because under the Trump administration's policy, we also saw the way that affected the economy. That the economy vastly increased in terms of expansion in size and lowered and, and we brought down the CO2 and emissions right. because the U.S. does it better than anyone else. The most efficient workers on the planet. Cleaner fuels or refineries are better across the board. Yeah. And, you know, that aside, there are other issues in the environment that are probably equally important that you don't hear about. Plastics, for instance. Right. And you, and you look at China... Uh, 90% of the plastics that are being dumped into the ocean come from four rivers in China. Oh, wow. And so those companies that insist on manufacturing in China, I think they should look at putting a, you know, some sort of mechanism where, hey, if you pollute, then what about that? What about it? And you're paying child wages and you're operating in a country with no pollution controls, right. and yet you're doing enormous damage to, to the world and the planet and their oceans right. as a result of your actions and your choices to manufacture there under no pollution control. Right. We could eliminate every plastic bottle in the whole country and probably have, nothing would be affected well, because the, most of the pollution is coming from Asia and Africa. Rivers out of the ninety percent of the plastic's a big number. That's a lot number. Yeah. That's huge. And, you know, we, we need to protect our environment. Montana forest fires are a big issue. Yeah. Because we haven't had management practices on much of our public lands. Right. Uh, limiting uh, public access, you know, shutting down roads, shutting down the opportunity for recreation on public lands. Look, public lands belong to everybody. Let me ask you this: Does, does that resistance to sensible land management for wildfire mitigation? public use of uh, public lands for recreation. Is that something that comes from inside your state in terms of opposition, or is it externally? You know, a lot of it is driven from outside the state. Yeah. Uh, money comes in, they have, have a movement. These are people that generally don't own the land. They don't reach, they, the best stewards of the land oftentimes are those that own the land, ranchers, right, and right. use the land. Recreation. Right. We're facing a, a, a generation that doesn't have the connection the public lands because when you start shutting down access right. uh, and, and they say well everyone can walk in well not everyone can walk in you, you have elderly that that are not quite as young or right. mobile as they used to be children they have children you have disabled and so access and, and you have weather well, yeah, means, yeah and know. learning learning about the respect of land stewardship on forest fires, you know, having prescribed burns late in the season, yeah. removing the dead and dying trees, yeah. sustainable yields on timber. 
and if a tree dies and rots, it releases carbon. Do you now, think if you use it as a two by four? You capture that. So right. wouldn't it be better? Yes. To capture the carbon yes. yeah, using two by fours rather than buying it from at elevated prices and being held hostage from other sources of timber. And if you're so concerned about air pollution, why aren't you? Uh, what's your concern about the giant clouds of CO two and all this coming yeah, from the forest fires? Yeah, this fire. Do you think the government owns too much public land that they could do a better job if they well, trim that? Because you did some of that when you were yeah, Secretary well, of the Interior. With we less never, public land, better managed? You well, think? We, we, I'm not a believer in transferring or selling public land. So we didn't really transfer out of the public. To the uh, state. To say, well, it's more about management. Yeah. You know, uh, public land, especially in Montana, we live in a state that offers a legacy primarily from Teddy Roosevelt. A lot of it's public land. And like public land is cherished and because it's used for recreation. It's used for multiple use. And Montana and the country is better served of having public land. Having said that, you also have a responsibility to manage it. And sometimes when you, for instance, the monuments, and a brief background, is the monuments, the authority for a president to proclaim a monument comes in the Antiquities Act. Right. And the three things, you have some object to protect, right. has to be in federal land, yeah. and smallest area compatible protect the object. Right. So when we did the monument review, there wasn't one square inch of land that went out of public domain. Okay. But when you do a monument, you manage it according to this proclamation. Gotcha. And in some cases, like Bears Ears, what it did is it took, it put at risk traditional uses like hunting, fishing, cattle, just, you know, forest production. Yeah. It took that off the table. And also you did it without coordinating with the state. Interesting. Uh, or, and it was done by an executive action in Washington, D.C., over the wishes and desires of the state of Utah, in the case of, of Bears Ears, okay. in the case of Montana, oftentimes the states and local communities, they don't even say. Yeah. And I think this is part of why government in D.C. is not trusted. No. I mean, tell me what agency, division, department has the full trust and confidence of the American people? I know which not one it is. It's the U.S. Board of Geographic News. Well, it could be, except they have occasionally misspelling. And, Probably good guys. And they're the ones who are actually running the whole country. We just don't even know it. <laughs> well, even, even our military took hits over Afghanistan. Sure. And Air Force did a great job, though. Wow. Moving those guys out of there, that was a logistical miracle almost. Now, obviously, we left the wrong way. But well, I, thought, I thought military air command did a fantastic job. Yeah, well, because they're the military U.S. But Superb. Yeah. As a nation and as the directive, we left U.S. citizens. Yeah, the civilian I mean, leadership was a I mean, failure, not the military. To the point where yeah. we not only left U.S. citizens, we welded the gates shut yeah. in Kabul and willingly and knowingly left U.S. civilians outside the perimeter to fend from themselves yes. against the Taliban. Right. That's not in dispute. And then they didn't tell us the truth about it. Everybody's and, out who's wants to uh, be out. And this is the problem, is, is that no one trusts the government because there doesn't seem to be a dialogue of truth. Right. There's just It seems to be a propaganda message. You get handled instead of told. Yep. And vaccinations or climate change, it, if you're not marching in line right. with what is said, then you get harassed. In some cases, you lose your livelihood, you lose your job. Sure. This, is a, this is a significant issue in our country, not just my Montana, because what we're, what we're seeing is a coordinated approach between social media, which primarily comes emanates from San Francisco, sure. and a government arm. And if you're not in 
line with those two. Twitter banned me. Well, for for something I wrote about Jack Dorsey, like a permanently banned from Twitter the next day. I understand, you know, protecting from terrorism, protecting from, you know, you shouldn't be able to assemble a nuclear warhead from the internet. Sure. And you should not use that platform to do harm to the U.S. interests and our allies. Sure. But also, we need to have an open and fair discussion of the issues, weigh the, both the benefits and the risks. Right. Uh, and, and, and they're not very good referees of that. No, they they no. shouldn't be standing in the middle saying, you're not allowed and, to say that. That's really not up to them. And, and I would imagine, you know, on the energy or the, in, the information environment we live in today, yeah. we'll see where the regulatory framework goes. But protection of free speech... Well, that's that would be in the Constitution. It's got to happen. That's worth fighting for. Absolutely. Well, we should have free speech. We have free and open debate. And in and Las Vegas, Second Amendment. Second Amendment protects the first. Yeah, we could have just about fought the Germans with all the stuff that's here right now. Oh, yeah, no. We could have fought World War II with everything that's else. That's the heartbeat uh, of what I would consider red, white, and blue America right here. Yeah, and it's so casual, too. It's really great. You've probably been following what's going on with Russia and the Ukraine. A concern. We, our own position in software, but it was like doctrine does not say invade a country like Ukraine in the dead of winter with three feet of snow on the ground. It's the way to dull thought. You've got to do with a lot more troops. What's your thinking? You think, well, you think I, Russia's, Russia's going to try and go when, in? When it's actually when, when it's frozen, you have more mobility. Really? You would think you'd be stuck to the roads, though, wouldn't you be? Well, when you're on one stable and ice and it's frozen, it's, it's, a, it's a lot easier than mud. You think they might go? I'm hoping not, but the U.S., particularly the Biden administration, isn't sending a clear message other than we're going to throw economic sanctions on you. I don't think Russia is going to go alone. I think Russia will look at what China is doing uh, with Taiwan. Yeah. I don't think it's going to anything can happen during the Olympics. They'll just keep muscling away at them. We're out of position in the Pacific as far as U.S. military goes. Sure. China has emerged as a juggernaut both economically and military. Mm-hmm. Russia does not have the conventional military strength, but certainly Enough can overcome Ukraine. Ukraine. Yeah. Most Americans don't know where Ukraine is. That's true. So uh, I'm not sure there's an appetite uh, to go toe-to-toe military with Russia and risk a nuclear conflict over over a country we don't know. Yeah. But this is this is an area where our allies, uh, we have to work in concert with each other. Okay. Certainly Europe, and economically we can limit access or, or eliminate Russia's access to the international banking system. Sure. There's, there's a lot we can do, but I, I don't think Russia will go alone. It's, you know, it's my theory. They'll go in and coordinate uh, whatever they're going to do with China. Yeah. Oh, you think China, really? Do you think they'd act in concert? I think that we'll see where China goes with Taiwan. You can imagine a scenario where they would uh, act scenario, in concert. Yeah, and a, and a realistic scenario is if China begins to move, and we'll see how far China will go. Yeah. Russia could move at the same time and see how far they go. Exploit it. Exploit it. And Putin is very formidable. Yeah, he's very crafty. Yes, and Russia doesn't have the GDP. They don't, they don't have the reserves to do long, prolonged warfare. Right. But they certainly have enough force to do it, do strikes. Sure. And 
Putin tends to, you know, I would say Russia kind of has probably a pair of fives. Yeah. But Putin plays it as he, he's got a full house. Sure. He's a very crafty guy. Very, 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 very formal. I don't view Russia as our enemy. They are an aggressor. A competitive adversary. Yeah. And... China continues to flex their power and territorial aspirations, as we see. And it is all economic for them. It's all about energy. They want they want what's under that water in the South China Sea, whether it's gas or oil. They want to be able to get at it because right now they're an oil importer. So they have vulnerabilities on, on, they, they do. on and, that as well. And sometimes, you know, uh, I was born in 1961 and China was, well, cheap toys, et cetera, when I was growing up. Right. China has evolved, and China has been a great nation for a long time. For a long time, and they rightfully view themselves as a great nation. The Middle Kingdom, the center of the earth. And uh, I think their their political aspirations are global. Yeah. So no, I think we're, right. we're seeing that being manifested. They want to be their own kind of superpower. I used to laugh when people would say, well, China's like the second largest economy. It's been the second largest economy for a very long time. It's a huge country. It is. It's almost always been in second place to somebody else. Well, I, th- I think the U.S. at the moment is perceived as weak. Yeah. Our policy, especially after Afghanistan, our forced disposition, our unwillingness to fight for what we believe in as a country. That kind of miscalculation is a very dangerous thing for other countries to engage in. Well, and President Trump looked at, at NATO, you know, we were supplying all the force structure. Everything. And and our allies basically were doing nothing, and they were using that money that they saved for creating more social programs, right? And all of a sudden, the U.S. became yeah. the only viable defense. Right. And... In Europe. So, in this case, I think our allies have to step up. Yes. Because uh, the U.S. under the Biden administration perhaps won't. And whether the U.S. would go alone would be a very, very long shot uh, under this administration. But to our NATO allies, I would just say that, you know, guys in the military, that's a jobs program for the government, too. Yeah. You're still getting people, uh, you're still paying them, and they're still actually providing very important public service. But I think for the American public, and certainly Montanans, Ukraine is far lower on the priority than yeah. our southern border, inflation, the woke movement is gutting traditions of the United States, our character. Yeah. We see the Constitution under duress, both the Second Amendment here, as well as First Amendment, and of course the vaccination. I think it's unconstitutional to force an individual. I think it's a choice, and an individual should weigh the benefits and the risks, and what seems to be apparent is the government and social media is censoring any risk. It's coercive. And if you don't march in line, sometimes your your livelihood, your jobs at stake, you're going to get shamed, you're going to be attacked sure. as some, you're an anti-vaxxer or you don't believe in science. That's nonsense. Right. We need a realistic discussion on the benefits and risks. People can make their own decision and form consent. But, and accept, too, that natural immunity is far superior. The studies are exhaustive, over 140 studies. Right. If you're naturally immune, there's something in your body that provides protection, and that protection is better 
than a vaccination. Why do you suppose the government, and they are reflecting, we've been following the, the lawsuits that Navy SEALs have filed over religious objections to taking the vaccine, and it's one of the characteristics of it that the military refuses to recognize natural immunity prior infections being equivalent to the vaccine. That's mystified to me. Why do you suppose it is? Why do you think that they just take it off the table? Well, again, it is mystifying, but when you have, I think, a coordinated effort between the government and the social media, and if you get out of line, yeah. uh, they're going to go after you. Yeah. Uh, and that's an infringement of the First Amendment, of free speech. It's also just wrong. Sure. And so we need to have a long discussion. I think what we're going to see is the House yeah. will will pivot, and it will be a Republican-led House. Where would that put you on committees? What, would, what committees would uh, you like to see? As a, well, you know, I, it's, it's funny because I, I maintain my seniority. Ah, uh, should go back to what so, you want to. And I think the House can do two things. One is the House can investigate, yeah. and there's going to be a temptation to investigate everything. My counsel is to be very judicial in what we investigate. Yeah. You saw an absolute abuse of power with the impeachment process. It wasn't high crimes, it was just an abuse. So right. two wrongs don't make right. right. But probably the most important thing the House can do is the power of the purse. Sure. A lot of what we see is in law and it's authorized, but how the government and the House is supposed to work is if authorized doesn't mean it's funded. Right. You gotta go through a budget process and put money in the account right. to execute that particular rule law. And so the House can go back to appropriations and zero out those regulatory penalties that we sure. we see. And if the administration tries to move money around to support it, then you can investigate him and throw him in jail. Right. Yeah, but that takes an enormous amount of work. And my potential colleagues, we haven't done an appropriation process in a long time. Ten years. It's like since Biden's And because when you do continuing resolutions, these omnibuses, we need to go back to what's called regular order. And it's a lot of work. Right. This is four-letter word called work. Right. So then compromise and debate and consideration and all kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. And so members won't be able to fly in on Tuesday and fly out on Thursday because the volume of work will mandate that they stay and do their job. Do their job. And you know what? That's what the American citizens and Montanans expect. Right. They said, look, you need to fight for me. I'm giving you the honor to do your job, but I expect in return that you fight for what's right and do your job. Right. So, you know, I'm fairly calm. I would not even consider running if I didn't know it was fixable. So it is fixable, but the sequence has to be, we have to take the majority back. Yeah. Uh, the Republicans have to lead. We have to articulate a message of, of what is worth fighting for. Primarily limited government, self-determination, and protection of constitutional freedoms, all of them. And then we have to have a narrative to tell the American people and convince the American people that's the right path. And we have to act with maturity uh, and grace. And ask for the vote. Yep. And then then it puts us in a position for the presidency in 2024 to save America. There's no plan B. No. But but the first sequence is let's work hard, let's get the majority, let's get a message, a, a narrative. And, you know, lastly, there are a significant number of Americans and they're American citizens that hate America. Yeah. And, and we're going to have to tend to that. And we're going to have to tend to and work on, because there's Americans that believe 
the opportunity isn't the same as it is for you and I. Right. So I'm all about... The, yeah, but the, they're also 25 or 30 years behind us in terms of getting that start on the opportunity. You don't just turn 18 and become the CEO of, of they're, Walmart. They're, you have to climb the ladder. You have to work for it. That's what I get yeah. into. And so, uh, you know, I'm all about showing the ladder of success, helping them on the first rung. Just make sure they But they got to climb the ladder themselves. Right. they got to climb the ladder. Yeah, there's a difference. Right. right. And you can't reward people not to work, but our country will not survive when... Americans hate other Americans. And they also I mean, we hate, see a lot of hate and division in this country, and yeah. it just won't stand because it's tearing the fabric of our country apart. Yeah. Well, we'll go out on that. Your, your campaign people are telling me you have other appointments to attend today, and I'd just like to thank you for being on Soft Life Radio with us. Manny, you're always welcome here. Well, thanks. You're an old friend of ours, so we'll be happy to see you again. We'll be interested in your uh, campaign. I'll leave it this. Uh, is, uh, I tend to be a little bit of a cheerleader lately. That's all right. saying, look, it's our country. It is fixable. Okay. Um, but it's kind of like being in a bus. We're all, all in a bus living our lives, and we weren't paying attention where we're going. And we, we look up, and, and we're here, a place we want to be as a country, and there's no bus driver. Right. So it's right. incumbent of us all that believe in this country you know, at the school board level, at the state level, at the county level, at the federal level, all of us have to participate in a great democracy to keep it alive, to ensure the survival of our democracy. But it will take all of us to do that. Sure will. So God bless and uh, confident that, uh, you know, never bet against America. No. Everybody who ever has has always come up snake eyes on us. Well, you know, it might seem like we're in the fourth quarter, but don't worry. You know, Lady Liberty's got a good arm. She does. Listen, on behalf of everyone here at Soft Rep, thank you for listening. This is Sean Spoons, Editor-in-Chief. I just want to give a quick shout-out to 511 Tactical. They are the official outfitter for Soft Rep here at Chow Chow. So on behalf of all of us here, signing off. Take care. You've been listening to Soft Rep Radio.